Well, the NHL draft lottery has come and gone. No, the Pittsburgh Penguins did not get a miracle, but they still have a pretty good pick. And I will discuss in this first segment what they should do with it. And we'll discuss the NHL draft lottery as a whole. That's all coming up right after this. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LRS Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. So NHL Draft Lottery has come and gone, as I said in my intro. And of course, no, the Penguins did not get a miracle. They only had a 1.5% chance of jumping up to the number four pick. I understand I did an episode on that for Monday. I did not think it was going to happen. And I think I and basically all of you were right in that regard. The Penguins will stay with the number 14 overall pick and they will have options with it. They could take a pretty good player there, but they could also trade it for some immediate help. And as I explained in my Monday episode, I will look to move it for someone who can come in and help right now. Whether that's a superstar goalie, like a package deal with, you know, Connor Hellebuck, UC Soros trading for Jeremy Swayman's rights, or that's a top pairing defenseman like Noah Hannafin or someone else, or that's a good complementary forward that can play in your top six, like a Jason Zucker replacement. That is what I will be looking to trade the pick for. If it's just for someone who can help <clears throat> your bottom six, your bottom pairing, a mega goaltender, I would just keep the pick because the Penguins can get a pretty good player with this pick. You know, Gabe Perot, I think, could be there. Matthew Wood, Oliver Moore, Axel Sandin, uh, Pelica, I believe is how you pronounce that last name. Pelica, Pelica, I believe. It's one of the two. Uh, I apologize if I mispronounce his last name. Colby Barlow, Braden Yager, you know, play, players like that who could be there at 14. And those those players are better than, you know, a lot of players in last year's draft. I don't think enough people understand or realize just how good this draft is. I would not just be trading this pick for the sake of it. You know, again, I'm not going to be doing something like the Islanders did last year where I'm trading a top 15 pick for Alexander Romanov. Fine player, but I'm sorry. I don't think he's worth a top 15 overall pick. I will be trading it like the Senators did. Remember when they traded for Alex DeBrincat when they gave up, what was it? I believe it was the number, yeah, it was the number 12 overall pick. So it was somewhere around there. So that's what I would be doing. Like an impact forward, a top pairing defenseman to play with Latang since Dumont is walking or a star goaltender. I'm not just trading it for the sake of trading it. Anyways, all that aside for the Penguins, the overall draft lottery was something else. It looked like for a while, we were just going to get the projected 16 teams in the in the in in that actual order. <laughs> because we get to the top three, all the teams below, they were in their projected spots. Nothing changed. And then before they went to commercial break, Kevin Weeks decided to play spoiler, and it was a nice little boo-boo, that's all it was, that the Columbus Blue Jackets were picking number three, which means it was down to the Anaheim Ducks 
or the Chicago Blackhawks for Connor Bedard. I feel bad for the Blue Jackets and their fans for that because they didn't deserve to know before the commercial break. They deserve to know after it. Dumb boo-boo by weeks. He knows it. Just got a little bit ahead of himself. He, you know, he, he always is the meme guy. <clears throat> well, I shouldn't say he's always the meme guy. He does break a lot of stuff on Twitter. He's actually a pretty good reporter, but he has turned into a little bit of a meme at times where everyone is just like, dude, you're breaking these stories on the side of the road at like a freaking McDonald's rest stop area and all this stuff. So of course he has to do it <clears throat> during the NHL draft lottery. Feel bad that he did it, but it's a boo-boo. And then of course the Chicago Blackhawks get the number one overall pick and they have their next franchise player. And yeah, I'm feeling a little bit icky about it because if you're asking me, again, no, the NHL draft lottery is not rigged. If you think it's rigged, you need your head examined. We just saw a report, I believe it was from Stephen Wino and Frank Zarelli. Gary Bettman did the drawing in front of reporters. And do you know how many owners would basically be suing the league if the thing was rigged? How many times did the Edmonton Oilers win the draft lottery and they were still bad? Trust me, this thing is not rigged. So that aside, I feel a bit icky because I don't think the Blackhawks deserve to have the chance of getting Bedard based on what happened a couple of years ago with the Kyle Beach. They were only fined $2 million. They were not docked any draft picks. In contrast... The Arizona Coyotes were docked draft picks for a scouting combine violation. The New Jersey Devils were fined $3 million for a salary cap circumvention with the Ilya Kovalchuk situation. The Blackhawks, they were fined $2 million, no draft picks docked. Another fun fact, they made $2.5, the Blackhawks, million dollars last night alone in season ticket packages for next season, right after they got Bedard. They made that money back in 15 minutes slap on the wrist for someone like me or you that's listening to this two million dollars that's a lot but for an ownership a billionaire ownership group like the words family that's nothing so it just it makes me feel icky that um again this is a league issue that they did not dock the blackhawks any picks and and I know people will come and say, well, what about last year they could have done last year's picks well the funny thing is they traded that first rounder in the Seth Jones deal. So that original pick was already gone. Yes, they got a first round pick back for, from the Senators for Alex Dabrinkit, but by then the punishment was already handed down. It should have started with this pick in 2023. And honestly, it could have been a lot more. That's where I just find it to be a little icky when it comes to the Blackhawks getting him, just because I don't think, I don't think they should have, you know, had the chance to get him because I think the league should have docked that pick and a couple others, to be honest with you. That that's 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 what I think about that. Obviously, he, I think he's gonna do great things in Chicago. You know, even outside of that, I, I hate that he's going to original an original six team. I would have very much liked him, Connor Bedard, of course, to go to a team like the Anaheim Ducks, a team that has a lot of young talent like Trevor Zegris. You know, Troy Terry is still there a lot of those young kids because they would that would have been a lot of fun. And honestly, I do feel bad for Ducks fans. They got second in the Sydney Crosby lottery and now they got second in the Connor Bedard lottery. If I were a Ducks fan last night, I probably would have just thrown my controller um out in the street. Or honestly just thrown, you know, I don't even through video games. I would have just thrown my remote out into the street and broke it. Second time in this generation that they have gotten the runner up 
for the Bedard sweepstakes, I would feel sick to my stomach. <laughs> and I would like to also go to the Sharks, a team that was doing it right for a lot of years. I know they've been bad recently, but he would have really changed their franchise around as well. And they're also not an original six team. Also, you could say the Blue Jackets. They've been dying for a star player. I know some people will come and say, well, Hunter, they have that now with Johnny Goudreau. I get it. Johnny Goudreau is very, very good. I mean no offense to him, though. There's a fairly good chance that Bedard is going to be better than Goudreau. And I know Goudreau has accomplished quite a bit in the league, you know, points-wise and all that. But I think Bedard, with how good he already is, he's going to be better than him at some point during his career. So, you know, they've been dying. They've been starving for another star talent there. That fan base is very strong. I, I know people like to dunk on Columbus fans because the Penguins you know, and their fans always invade the uh, nationwide arena, but they have a pretty good fan base. They sell out <clears throat> a good chunk of their games. But those are my overall thoughts on the draft lottery. Again, no, it is not rigged. Yes, I, I don't think the Blackhawks should have been allowed to have that pick to have the chance to get Bedard because I think they should have been penalized, but you know, there's really not, nothing we can do about that now, which is, you know, unfortunate, but again, for the Penguins, number 14 pick, I would keep it. If you can't trade it for something really good that can help now, but if you can trade it for something that can help now, and it's a really good piece, I would very much do it. Right, maybe I get some hate for that. Maybe I don't, but let me know your thoughts on that and your thoughts on the draft lottery as a whole, down in the comments. You can also send me a DM and all that stuff as well. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to continue our player season reviews. We're getting to the fourth line. We'll get into Josh Archibald, how he played this season. Did he live up to my expectations? Should he be brought back next season? We're going to get all into that coming up after this commercial break. But before we get into that, Indeed is the hiring platform when you where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. We streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. And with Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed match their job descriptions the moment they sponsor a job according to Indeed data. Even better, Indeed is the only job site where you can only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. It's an unbelievable, powerful hiring platform delivering four times more hires than all the other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. You can start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked on. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash locked on. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. <clears throat> if you need to hire, you need Indeed. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Star Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. So Josh Archibald was Ron Hextall's first free agent signing of last offseason. I, I still get a kick out of that because they had a lot more pressing needs at the time. But Hextall decided to go sign Archibald to a one-year low-cap hit signing. And you know, for to start the season, he was making me eat a little bit of crow. Three goals in his first 11 games, looking like he, they were going to be getting what they paid for because I think the Penguins were looking at his shooting percentage of 13%, saying like, okay, you know, we can get something out of that. His um, goals per 60 rate, which I believe was around 10. And they're thinking, okay, we're going to definitely get that. But 
it was not meant to be because after that, he did get a bit banged up, missed some time, and he definitely was not the same player after that. Only scored three goals in his final 50-plus games for this season. Um, ended the year with six goals, 12 points in 62 games. Not good enough. Even for a fourth-liner, I'm sorry. I just don't think that's good enough. He did have some good defensive zone impacts, but overall, not good enough in the offensive zone. Played play the 62 games, 505 minutes at 5 on 5 when he was on the ice. The Penguins had 50% of the shot attempts. They also had 21 goals for, 16 goals against. So that part is good. Only 16 goals against in 500 minutes in a fourth line role. That is pretty solid. That goes to show that his defensive impacts were pretty decent this year. So 56.7 actual goals rate. Expected goal share, 57.1%. That is the high, highest mark of his career since 2018. Three game sample size that year with the Penguins. But in terms of a full season sample, highest mark of his career scoring chances 2094 209 again so 50 50 high danger chances for 106 chances for 70 against 14 high danger goals for seven high danger goals again so really good defensive impacts there glad to see him be on the ice for a lot more high danger goal score even though he wasn't doing the goal scoring but again his defensive impacts were pretty solid this year he said it was just that he wasn't giving them the depth scoring and and normally I would be okay with that because you need at least a player or two like that in your bottom six in, in my opinion. But when you surround when when you put a bottom six full of those kinds of players, that's where you run into the problem. Because Mikhail Granlin, he's not good defensively, but he also doesn't score. Jeff Carter, he scored a little bit this year, he, he you know, but not nearly as much as he used to. Ryan Paling, <clears throat> decent defensive impacts. He didn't score as much this season. We'll get to him a little later on this week. Josh Archibald, he didn't really score much this year. Denton Heinen, same thing. You see where I'm getting at. You just have all these kinds of players <clears throat> who, again, they're not bad players by any stretch. I don't think so. But it was just poor roster construction where you're putting a lot of players in here who <clears throat> truly can't finish. And Archibald, you know, I mean, he has a history of being able to do it for at least a couple seasons. He can, you know, he has a 13% shooting percentage, but you had to know that was probably going to come down to earth a little bit <clears throat> this season. And it sure did. You know, started out well, three goals in 11 games. I was definitely getting some crow because I was not a fan of the signing, but three goals in the final 50 plus games, that's not good enough for me. And I think that's probably going to lead to him getting a job elsewhere. I think the Penguins can do a, a, a bit better. Further fourth line, again, if it's up to me and I am the GM, I am starting over pretty fresh for the bottom six. I am getting about four to five new players in there. I say four because, you know, Carter, I think, is going to stay. I think they're going to re-sign Drew O'Connor. So that's two there. Everyone else, though, <clears throat> maybe you can argue, argue Ryan Paling. Mostly everyone else, they, they can just leave. But, you know, for all I can get it. Buy out Gamlin. Everyone else that's down there, Denton Heinen, all those guys, they can walk. You know, maybe they bring back Paling, maybe they don't. Maybe they bring back O'Connor, maybe they don't. But, you know, <clears throat> I'm starting over decently fresh for the bottom six. I just don't think it's a good idea to bring back Archibald when, you know, even after he came back from injury and looked to be um, healthy at times, um, it just, it was not the same, you know, with, in terms of his goal scoring. So that's what I would do. Overall, I would give his season, I think he was average. I'd give it about like a B minus C plus. You know, I don't think he was as bad as some people thought he was going to be. And again, 
<clears throat> I was not super high on the signing, but he still surprised me at the early portions of the season. His defensive impacts really surprised me too. I like that part of his game. I just think, you know, he's probably a better fit on a different team. I just don't think he fits what the Penguins are going to be trying to do with the speed and skill game that Mike Sullivan wants to play. And, and I get the other attributes that they liked about him. He can throw his body around. You know, <clears throat> he's fast. He's just like a wrecking ball, to be honest. But it just, after he came back from the injury, it never really translated over. And I think that's where the Penguins got a little screwed there. Again, you know, definitely it was definitely a weird signing from Ron Hex. That's like the first thing he did to start free agency. But, you know, it's, it, I mean, I'm not blaming the player. You know, obviously you will take that deal on day one of free agency any day of the week. But still, I don't think I will bring him back. Still give him like a C plus, B minus. Let me know your, but let me know your thoughts though in the comments and you can send me a DM as well. Do you think Josh Archibald lived up to the hype this year? Would you bring him back on a cheap one-year contract again? Or would you look to upgrade that position on the fourth line? Let me know now in the comments and all the stuff that that. Wraps up this segment of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Coming up in the final segment, we're going to get into a funny thing that I saw on Cat Friendly. Someone also sent me a couple of proposals and why this player could make sense as a Jason Zucker replacement. Not just because people on Cat Friendly were suggesting. I usually don't go on there that much, but a couple people sent this to me. But just because he actually does make sense in the Bruins. I just gave that away. And this team, it's the Bruins. They're in a little bit of salary cap trouble heading into next year. They could look to move him if they want to re-sign some players. So that's coming up right after this commercial break. All right, I'm back in this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, at Eleanor Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. I apologize yesterday when I was talking about the playoffs because I said the Flyers were the last team to come back from 3-0 down in a series. I completely forgot that it was the Los Angeles Kings of 2014 that came back from 3-0 down against the San Jose Sharks because the Sharks had all sorts of chokes during that time. And the Kings did come back. Remember, they won the Stanley Cup that year. They beat the New York Rangers in five games. So I apologize about that. I don't want to mess that kind of stuff up. <clears throat> but the player that I think the Penguins could go after, if they decide they don't want to re-sign Jason Zucker, is, drumroll please, do, 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 Taylor Hall. It may it, it may sound a little weird to you all. He makes $6 million for the next couple of years, but <clears throat> I went on for the Bruins Cat Friendly, which I have directly in front of me, and they will have some interesting decisions to make this upcoming offseason. Right now, it's their final cap space is only 27000 but they do have a lot of free agents. For one, Nick Foligno, $3.8 million, that comes off the books. I'm not really sure if they want to bring him back. Patrice Bergeron, it all comes down to whether he wants to play. If he comes back, I'm sure he'll sign a pretty cheap deal. Tyler Bertuzzi, they're going to really try to throw a bag at him. He's 28, only made $2.375 million cap um, on the salary cap for this season. Oh, and he was great for them when he came over the deadline, great for them in the playoffs. He will want to sign back there. I think the Bruins are going to really try to win that bidding war. Thomas Nosek, decent depth player. Garnett Hathaway, could see what they do there. David Krejcik, I think they're going to want to bring him back. He only made a million for this season. It's the Bruins or retirement for him. And then Dmitry Orlov, I think he might walk, though he only made $1.275 for them just because of the um, 
the Caps were eating some salary. And then the big one for them is Jeremy Swayman. He's an RFA, only made 925000 He is going to command a big freaking raise. And the Bruins, again, they will be in some salary cap hell this summer if they want to bring some of these guys back. They're not going to have all the room in the world. And someone like Taylor Hall, I could see them potentially dealing if they want to make some cap, if they want to make some cap room, because he does make six million for the next two seasons, they're not going to trade Pasternak. They're not going to trade Marshawn, Char- Charlie Coyle. I he, I also could see him as an option. He signed for three more years at five point two five million. Jake DeBrus, they, they he signed for one more year at four million. I don't think they would deal him. Pavel Zaka, no. Charlie McAvoy, Hampus Lindholm, no. Brandon Carlo, probably not. Taylor Hall seems like a pretty decent option, and he would be a great fit. Um, for the Penguins this year. 16 goals, 36 points in 61 games. Yes, I understand he did miss a little bit of time, but in the playoffs against the Panthers, five goals, eight points in the seven games. For his playoff career, he's played in 39 games, 14 goals, 29 points in 39 games. He is a big game player. You know, maybe he hasn't lived up to the hype at times, but he is still a pretty damn Good player. When he came over during the 2020-2021 season for the in the Bruins in that trade from Buffalo, played 16 games, eight goals, 14 points. Played a full season last year, 20 goals, 61 points, 81 games. Though that is some solid production. And yeah, six million. It's a it's a it's a big cap hit. Maybe the Penguins could ask the Bruins to see some salary, but also probably not. I think the Penguins would have to include some salary going back the other way. Someone on Cap Friendly. I think some Bruins fans had – this is fun. I don't usually bring this up on my show, but I thought it was funny. Some Bruins fans had them sending Hall to Pittsburgh for Jan Ruda in like a third-round pick. i do that. Sign me Sign me up yesterday. <laughs> if they can't bring back Jason Zucker and I'm giving up, and I'm only giving up Jan Ruda in a third-round pick, oh, I'm doing that any day of the week. I'm sorry. That, that's not reality, I don't think. But I'm still making that trade any any day. And he fits the Penguin speed and skill game. He can score. He can pass. He can forecheck. He can play aggressive defense. He can play well defensively. He may not be that total team leader that Jason Zucker was, especially in the locker room, how so many people have looked up to him and respected him. But I think he could definitely at least match his production, if not go over Zucker's production from this season. Again, I would love to re-sign Zucker he was so great for the Penguins this season on and off the ice. But in terms of a replacement, you could do a lot worse and probably not much better than Taylor Hall. Again, that's if they can't bring him back. And again, I will be calling the Bruins no matter what, especially because I am on board of the Penguins wanting to go out and get Jeremy Swayman trading for his RFA rights. But if they some if they go get out and get another goalie who's pretty decent and they're able to replace Zucker that way and call them about Taylor Hall. That's kind of like a, almost like a dream right there. Probably not going to happen. But, you know, the Penguins will be cooking with some gas at that point. But let me know your thoughts about that. Do you think Taylor Hall will be a good Jason Zucker replacement? Do you think it's realistic that the Penguins could call them, assuming, you know, whoever the new GM is? Let me know down in the comments. You know, it's silly season here for a reason. We're in almost mid-May, people. I got, I got two more months of this stuff. Come on. You know, we're going to continue to do some silly seasons uh, business. We also have a small GM search update for today. According to Rob Rossi, the Penguins, they requested permission to interview Chicago Blackhawks Associate General Manager Jeff Greenberg. 
But according to his sources, the Blackhawks denied permission. So he will not be involved in the search for the Penguins' new general manager. The Penguins will have to look elsewhere as interviews are shaping up to start this week. Remember Jeff Greenberg, he was a finalist for the position in Chicago before Kyle Davidson got the full-time job a little over a year ago. So that is a little bit of an update on the GM search for today. We'll have to see who they start interviewing as the week goes on and as honestly the next few weeks go on. I'll be back with another episode for you all on Wednesday. We'll continue to discuss the playoffs. It could be Maple Leafs Elimination Day, which means Kyle Dubas could be getting an interview with the Penguins at some point. We will have to see when it comes to that. We'll also continue our player season reviews and a whole lot more when it comes to this team. So keep it right here on Locked on Penguins. Really appreciate all of you listening slash watching. Again, thank you all so much. I'll talk with you all on Wednesday.